Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. It wasn't hard for him to propose another foreigner to rule over Egypt because he was a foreigner ruling over Egypt. And so actually, you know, considering he's a Bedouin, he's He's, he's from the desert. He's really closer related to Joseph than he was to the Egyptians. And so he could uh, very easily have more confidence in a Hebrew Joseph than in another Egyptian. Now, by the way, later what happened in Egypt was that there was an internal revolt and the Egyptians gained back their independence from the Hyksos people. And that explains to us how 400 years later in Exodus 1.8, we read, and there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. See, this was not a Hyksos anymore. This was the new king. Okay, so the new king over Egypt, he, 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 he was an Egyptian, and, and he was very jealous now of any, and he had a particular fear of any foreign people like the Hyksos, especially ones that grew strong, and, 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 and which is the reason he gave for why they should start to exterminate all the male babies of the Jewish people because they were getting too strong. But anyway, coming back to this Pharaoh, the reason this Pharaoh had confidence in Joseph was because he saw the spirit of God was in Joseph. And if you asked Pharaoh, you said, you know, is this wise to suddenly uh, put into the highest office in the land, a person you don't even know. You just met him, <laughs> not today. And he was a prisoner. He was Jewish. He's young. He's a prisoner. He's a slave. Is this a smart idea for you to put all this confidence in this person? And you know what, jo- you know what Pharaoh would say? He would say, Joseph, I may not know him. Joseph, I may not know him. But God, I recognize. And God just spoke to me through this man, Joseph. It's really the spirit of God in Joseph that I'm trusting. That's what he would say. So the main reason that Pharaoh put Joseph into this high position was spiritual. That was the reason. Because he recognized this was a man in whom the spirit of God was. And that's why he wanted, wanted that man, Joseph. Now, imagine an Egyptian king saying that he had found a man in whom the spirit of God is. This is amazing itself. Now, by the way, what do you think, similar question, what do you think that Pharaoh saw about Joseph that made him come to the conclusion the spirit of God was in Joseph? What was it? Okay, he had a love for other people. He had a care for other people. What else? Yeah, he, he was forgiving. He, had, he didn't look like man. <laughs> it wasn't like, you know, I want to get even. 
What else? He was honest. He was really honest. You know, and that was an honesty that when you saw in Joseph, he was like a transparency. It's like people could say, I can see right through him. You know, I, it's a, he has almost like a childlike innocence. He's very open. He's very bold. He talks about Elohim. Elohim's not the God of the Egyptians. Can't find him in the catalog, Egyptian gods. But Joseph is speaking very boldly about Elohim as the only God. He said he could throw those ones away. And what was interesting about Joseph, and you say, he did not tailor his message about God so that he would not be harmed. He, you know, he didn't go like this, say, what should I say? He, he, he didn't do that. There was just, and also there was this enthusiastic energy, which we're going to see later, about him. There was like an optimism. So all these things we talk about, this care, this forgiving, this honesty, this is God. This is who God is. This is, you know, telling the truth. This is who God is. And so therefore, Pharaoh says, oh, I see the spirit of God is in Joseph. He's the man. And this is what God said to Moses. He says, now, when you go to find your success, when you, when, you look at, when you look at your successor, which was Joshua, when you look at your successor, God was directed Moses to focus on one attribute of the successor, Joshua, in Numbers 27, 18. Numbers 27, 18. The Lord said unto Moses, take thee, Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit and lay thine hand upon him. And just like Pharaoh had the dreams and Joseph interpreted it, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams also. And Daniel came in, and just like Pharaoh had act one of the magicians, Nebuchadnezzar had act one of the magicians. And what it says about, about what happened, same thing in Daniel 4.7, Daniel 4.7. Daniel 4.7 says, then came in the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers, and told the dream before them. And they did not make known unto me the interpretation thereof. This is Nebuchadnezzar saying this. But at the last, Daniel came in before me, whose name was Belteshazzar. They didn't like that name either. Daniel's got a new name. According to the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. <laughs> okay, so maybe a little correction. That's okay. Anyway, and also, when the Jewish people wanted a deliverer, you know, Moses was gone, and they, and they had sinned, and they had gone through this cycle, sin, deliverance, sin, deliverance, sin, turn to God, deliverance, sin, turn to God, deliverance. So they go through another one of their cycle, and they wanted a Moses. And what they saw in Moses, they, it said in Isaiah 63.11, Isaiah 63.11, when he said, then he remembered the days of old, Moses and his people saying, where is he? that brought them up out of the sea with the shepherd of his flock. Where is he that put his Holy Spirit within him? See, that was how Moses was identified. He was the man that God put his Holy Spirit within. Now, Pharaoh saw that obviously Joseph's wisdom is not in him. And he says in verse 39, Pharaoh said unto Joseph, for as much as God has showed thee all this, there's none so discreet as wise as thou art. So Pharaoh now, he comes to his decision in verse 40. Thou shall be over my house, and according to thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. So Joseph hears these words. According to my word, all the people are going to be ruled. And we can imagine Joseph's kind of like taken back a little bit, and he's thinking back on his life. 
you know, in our living room, there's a small oriental rug from India that we found in Germany. And each thread, it's an interesting rug, and you come over, you look at it, it's kind of fading, but it doesn't matter. Each thread is very important to see the pattern, to see the picture. And if one of those threads is pulled out, don't do it, but if one of those threads is pulled out, it'll mar the design. So when Joseph hears to say, according to thy word shall all my people be ruled, you can imagine Joseph thinking about all the persons in his life, like it sees his life, all the persons in his life, like threads in the design of his life. All these people were like, the, they, were like they were very interesting characters. You know, you can put adjectives in front of all the people, like Alice in Wonderland, you know, all the characters she runs into. And these people in Joseph's life are really like links, you know, of chain. They're linking together, you know, in verse 30, when he hears this, according unto thy word shall all people be ruled. I mean, all these people are like links. You know, the first link was the hateful brothers, the hateful brothers of Joseph that sold him as a slave. And then the second link was the unconcerned Midianite slave traders. They, pay, they buy him for 30 pieces of silver, why not? And they bring him down to Egypt. The third link is the chief executioner, Potiphar, who buys Joseph and trains him in the oversight by making him responsible for his house. And then the fourth link was the evil wife. Sounds like characters in Alice in Wonderland, doesn't it? <laughs> it's like a, the evil wife of Potiphar who tries to seduce Joseph and, and then lies about it, gets him thrown into the prison. And the fifth link was the caring warden, the caring prison warden, the prison guard who made Joseph in charge of all the prisoners, including Pharaoh's chief baker and butler. And the sixth link was the selfish butler, the selfish butler who forgets and then remembers Joseph. And then the last link here, the seventh link is the troubled Pharaoh, the troubled Pharaoh who calls for Joseph to come out of prison, makes him ruler. So all these people are like seven links, and they form this chain that brings Joseph to rule over Egypt. So standing there in verse 40, Joseph now, he knew how all these people were like links that were working together. He could actually say, he could, he could have written the words of Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things, all links, work together for good to them that love God, who are called according to his purpose. So in verse 40, when it says, according to thy word shall thy people be ruled, there's a Middle Eastern expression here that's being used. It doesn't, it, it, literally it reads like this, on your mouth shall all my people kiss, which is why I don't live in the Middle East. <laughs> all right, it's gotta be a little effusive here, but never mind. So it says in Proverbs 24, I mean, if you're gonna read the Bible, you gotta start thinking Middle Eastern because this is a Middle Eastern book. And in Proverbs 24, 26, Proverbs 24, 26, it says, every man shall kiss his lips that giveth the right answer. Every man shall kiss his lips that giveth the right answer. So loving each word, you know, it's the whole idea of, you know, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Loving each word that comes from the mouth is the same concept of how every person should respond to the Lord Jesus Christ, as it says in Psalm 2, the last verse in Psalm 2, Psalm 2, verse 12, Psalm 2, 12 says, kiss the son, lest he be angry and ye perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. So now Pharaoh, he says to Joseph in verse 41, and Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. Now, 
for a person, Joseph, who just wanted to be freed from Egypt so he could go home. He just wants to go home. Now to be set over the land of Egypt was way beyond his expectations. I mean, hearing this, he could, Joseph could write 1 Corinthians 2.9, 1 Corinthians 2.9, but he could say, I hath not seen nor ear heard that they have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. He never in his wildest dreams would have imagined he would be the ruler over all of Egypt. I mean, that's, you know, he thought maybe it's the, the dreams his father and brother is going to bow down to him in the home or something like that. All of Egypt? He had no idea. When Pharaoh said that to Joseph, and he said him over all of Egypt, it's like, again, Psalm 2, where it says in verse 6, Psalm 2, 6, Psalm 2, 6, yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. That's Joseph. He's been set there. And now we read that the next thing Joseph, that Pharaoh does in verse 42 Verse 42, it says that Pharaoh took off the ring off of his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and then arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain on his neck. Now, this is a special ring. This is a ring of authority. It's a ring of insignia. You know, it's like, why you have to make your signature? No, we're going to give you a ring because sometimes you get tired of the signature. It doesn't look the same, but the ring always looks the same. Okay, so there's an insignia. So all the, the royal documents that came from the hand of Pharaoh, that's the whole idea. From the hand of Pharaoh goes the ring, and it makes the mark in the stamp. And so he takes off this ring of his signature. It doesn't say Pharaoh took off his ring and put it on Joseph. It says in verse 42, Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. So that means that all the eyes here are looking at Pharaoh and they're looking at his hand and they're seeing he's taking it off his hand and he's putting it on Joseph's hand. I mean, he didn't take off his ring and say, hey, you, here, bring this over to Joseph. No, he did it himself. He did it himself. It's real dramatic here, real drama here. A lot of drama, but there's a lot of drama here. And so the very strong message that's coming about Joseph's position comes directly from Pharaoh. And then he puts this robe of this uh, Egyptian linen. Egyptian linen, of course, now we have it in Bed Bath and Beyond, but then it was more special. And so it was silk linen. And all the priests wore this, this in Egypt. And if you want to see this type of linen, you can see it. You go up to Los Angeles to Exposition Park there, and you go to the L.A. Exposition Park Museum, and there they have an Egyptian mummy. And he's wrapped in the same type of linen that Joseph was clothed in here. This is the second mark of distinction. Third mark is he's got this gold chain. Now at this point, he's all, he's got ringed, he's dressed up to everything, and now he's ready to be presented to the people. He's wearing the ring, he's dressed in the linen, he's got the gold chain, and it's like Pharaoh, when he presents him, and he puts him in his second chariot, who's Pharaoh's other chariot. Anyway, it's like Pharaoh is presenting Joseph to the people and saying, this is my beloved ruler, hear him. That's what Pharaoh's actually doing. Just like the Lord Jesus, and it was presented to the people after his baptism by John, came a voice from heaven in Matthew 3.17, Matthew 3.17, a little voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And when Pharaoh made Joseph rule over Egypt, then he makes him ride in the second chariot, and then everybody has to bow the knee, and he makes him ruler. And then he says in verse 44, it says, and Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh. And without thee shall no man lift up his hand or his foot. Why do you think he said that? Why do you think Pharaoh said, I am Pharaoh? Why do you think? Okay, that's what most people would think. 
that Pharaoh was really putting a limitation on Joseph. Now look here, buddy. He says, you, you never forget that with all this power I'm giving you, I'm still the only Pharaoh. I'm Pharaoh. Okay? Is that really what he's meaning to say? Well, when he says, I am Pharaoh. Now the key to understanding this is look at the second part he says. I am Pharaoh. And then he says, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or his foot in the land. I am Pharaoh was not setting a limitation on Joseph. It was just really the opposite. The reason he says, I am Pharaoh, was because he was foreseeing another potential problem, not the potential problem of Joseph getting too big for his britches. That's not what he was saying. He was seeing the problem of his people saying, who's Joseph to rule over us? A young Hebrew slave prisoner, why should we rule over us? So Pharaoh, he wanted to answer that question right away, so he says, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man even lift his hand or his foot in all the land of Egypt. So he's saying, I'm Pharaoh, and I'm saying this, a person can't lift his hand or his foot without asking Joseph's permission. That's like God the Father did for the Lord Jesus Christ when it says in Philippians 2.9, wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name that's above every name. In Acts 5.31, Acts 5.31, him hath God exalted with his own right hand to be a prince and a savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. So now Pharaoh sees there's one last problem that remains. He's trying to cover all of it. The boy looks a little too Jewish. That's a problem. He says his nose is too big. He's got a Yiddish accent. No, I'm just joking. Okay. Now, there's some things that Pharaoh can't change. (laughs) But next comes the Egyptian naturalization process. (laughs) First, the name of Joseph, it's got to go. It sounds too awfully Jewish. I mean, has anybody ever heard of an Egyptian Yen Yosef? Actually, there are, but anyways, that time they did. So Pharaoh says in verse 45, Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zafdath Paneah, and he gave him a wife, Aseneth, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, and then Joseph takes off, goes over the land of Egypt. So Pharaoh, he concludes Somehow he comes to conclude. It's a, I got a much easier name than Yosef. It's Zafnath Panea. <laughs> okay. I don't know why he saw, thought Zafnath Panea was easy. Was, I like Joe better. But so that becomes Joseph's name, Zafnath Panea, which means in Egyptian, a revealer of secrets, a revealer of secrets. So that's really Pharaoh's way of saying he's a man sent from God. Next, the boy needs a wife. The boy needs an Egyptian wife. Not just any Egyptian wife will do. No, no, no. This must be the daughter of a priest of On. So Joseph gets a wife. Her name is Aseneth. Aseneth means in, in Egyptian, the one who belongs to the goddess Neth. And Neth was the goddess of war. That's not really good, you know, for a house to have somebody who is the goddess of war, but that's all right. And there was actually a cult in Egypt, built around the worship of this false god of Neth. So Aseneth is the daughter of Potipharah. Potipharah means the gift from the sun god Ra. Okay? Quite a family he's been marrying into here. And actually, Pharaoh was also a part of the priests in Egypt. So now, Joseph, by marriage, is related to Pharaoh. Now, we can imagine at this point, Joseph saying, Oh, this is great, but this is not exactly the wife that I had in mind. <laughs> you know, but whatever. Okay. Joseph didn't say that. He didn't say, I can't have a heathen woman like that for a wife. There's no way. 
Joseph accepted her like he accepted the Egyptian people. And he never forgot his mission. His mission there was to save the Egyptian people from starvation. And if that meant getting an Egyptian name and an Egyptian wife, so be it. So now Joseph, he's fully naturalized Egyptian with Egyptian wife and a name and a wife. And so he takes off now. It says at the end of verse 45, Joseph went over all the land of Egypt. He takes off. There's going to be no grass growing under this boy's feet. I mean, he, he is off. He's probably on a survey trip. And he's going out. There's a lot of work that needs to get done. We got to make sure that all those crops really are harvested. We have to make sure people don't get lazy and they got to not waste it. And the storehouses have to be built and the records have to be kept. And the army's got to be recommissioned to gather, record, guard. And he, he's very concerned. He's more concerned about his responsibilities and what needs to be done than his honors, his honor. He realized that Joseph was in Egypt to reign. And reigning meant serving. And that's what we see him doing here. And we told that he's only 30 years old when he starts this in verse 46. And he's doing all this. And that reminds us of the Lord. The Lord Jesus was only 30 years old. And he took off like lightning throughout all the land of Canaan, working hard to seek the lost sheep of the house of Israel, as he said, as it says in Luke 8, 1, Luke 8, 1, came to pass after this, that he went throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the 12 were with him. In Luke 3, 17, it says, whose fan is in his hand, he will thoroughly purge his floor and will gather the wheat into his garner, but the chaff he will burn with fire unquenchable. He tried to gather Jerusalem. That's what he said in Luke 13, 34. He says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Uh, Kill the prophets, stone them that are sent to you. How often would I have gathered thee? Gather thy children together as the hen doth gather her brood under her wings, but you would not. So during these seven years of planting, Joseph is out there, he's gathering, and he's he's gathering, he's gathering, and he's young, he's a young person. And and Timothy was young too. And Paul had to say in 1 Timothy 4.11, let no man despise thy youth. And no man despise thy youth. Instead of 4.12. Okay, so Joseph is out there gathering in the harvest, preparing for the famine. And what's amazing about all this, way back in Canaan, it's only about a few days away. Way back in Canaan, his little family, they have no idea. They're completely unaware of what's being done, of what's being done to save them from the famine of starvation. They got no idea of all the elaborate preparation that's going on. That's a picture of us. Before we, before we came to the Lord Jesus Christ, God did great preparation to save us. It says in 1 Peter 1.18, 1 Peter 1.18, for as much as you know, you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation. He goes on to say, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blood, Spanish without blood, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times. Before we were born, the Lord Jesus Christ was foreordained to shed his precious blood to redeem us from our sins. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the life of Joseph and all that you've recorded for us here and the pictures that we can see of our Joseph, the Lord Jesus, who did such preparation to save us from our sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free 
at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live, located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.